Peter Yasek was encouraging believers in Christ in Sudan. Then he was arrested for his faith and placed in prison. But instead of making him timid, he looked at this imprisonment as an amazing opportunity. He started sharing the gospel in the prison without fear. We knew we all were facing death penalty, right? First. Secondly, we were already in prison, right? So what worse could happen to us? <laughs> Nothing. Jesus never promised his followers an easy path. In fact, he told his disciples that the world would hate them. He sent them out as sheep among wolves. Jesus' words came true in the life of the apostles, and they're still coming true today in the lives of his followers around the world. Join host Todd Nettleton as we hear their inspiring stories and learn how we can help, right now on The Voice of the Martyrs Radio Network. Imagine being imprisoned for your faith by a government opposed to the gospel. But on top of that, imagine that you're inside the prison with a group of ISIS fighters. You'd be at risk both from the guards and from your fellow prisoners. That's what our two guests today did experience. Peter Yasek and Brother Hassan have both been on Voice of the Martyrs Radio telling their stories individually, but today we're going to hear from both of them together. I talked with them at a Voice of the Martyrs Advance Conference this fall, and I began by asking them about joy. In the middle of that prison in Sudan, how were they able to experience the joy of the Lord? Yeah, this was in the, the first uh, prison that uh, we went to, and uh, this prison you are not allowed to be visited uh, from your family or friends. Or... So I had uh, five months without visiting, and then I didn't know anything about my family because I was cut from them, and then they don't know anything about me. Anyone can think of this as a father, then you have the kids, and then you have uh, a wife, and... I was really thinking of them, how they are living, they are still in the house, they have the food, the kids are going to the school. So I was really, emotionally, I was really very bad. I was really feeling very bad. But in other, other, other way, I was really considered this time, the five months that I spent in the, the first prison was the best time that I spent in my life because it was the time that I was really very close to God in praying, singing songs, praising God, and uh, I really feeling with the, the presence of the Lord and the joy of the Lord, and um, sometimes just laying in the, in the floor, don't have the beds to sleep on it, and uh, I just crying when, when, when the songs come to, to my mind that I just crying. This crying is not uh, for anything, but it's just the joy of the Lord in my heart. And I'm feeling the prayers of the Christians that are play, praying for us in the prison, why we are in the prison. And then this, it gives me the joy, it gives me the peace, it gives me the hope. And I'm feeling the feeling that I have never experienced before in my life, so that I, I consider these five months is the best time that I lived in my life. And I hope that it can be repeated again so that I can have this kind of the joy. Uh, uh. 
that's an amazing testimony to the faithfulness of God. Uh, Peter, one of the things that I've heard you say is that you could physically feel the prayers of people around the world for you. Explain that to me. Yeah, you know, uh, we were squeezed in a, a cell that normally was designed for one prisoner. It was a prison built according to the British model. So I would say that even the metal parts were probably imported to Sudan. And uh, we were in a very small room and very noisy room. And uh, I was uh, surprisingly uh, being able every day uh, to fall asleep at 9 p.m. And I was always wondering how come, you know, the, I was in the area that uh, my fellow prisoners were attacking me, either verbally or physically later on. But despite this fact, I could lay down and I could fall asleep uh, just uh, exactly around 9 o'clock every day. And, you know, I tried to sleep during the day, uh, you know, even when I was later on in solitary confinement, I was tired sometimes, and I, I lay down during the day, but I could not stay uh, in the horizontal position for more than maybe 15 seconds, and I had to stand up again and walk in prayers because I was not really feeling well uh, when I was in this horizontal position. And uh, so I was walking around in solitary confinement and praying as well. But this... Interesting thing was every night, 9 p.m., I could fall asleep. And uh, I only found out later when I was able to receive letters from my family. And I realized that at 8 o'clock at home in my home church, which was exactly 9 o'clock in Sudan, everybody's cell phones of my friends and church members started to ring with reminder at 8 o'clock prayers for Peter. And it was exactly the reason why I could be so peaceful at that time and I could fall asleep. And, you know, I, for, for a prisoner, I'm sure Hassan would confirm that it's very important to know about the date and time. And for me personally to know, for instance, uh, you know, that, okay, today is Tuesday, and today, uh, considering the time difference in the United States, I know that at 9 o'clock every Tuesday there is a chapel service at VOM headquarters. And I knew that before this uh, 9 o'clock, at 8 o'clock, faithful prayer warriors are gathering together, and they are praying. So I, whenever this time came, and you can easily find out about the time according to the Muslim prayers, which I found out from my fellow Muslim uh, prisoners, uh, and at that time I really felt especially peaceful. I knew that people were praying for me. And the same, uh, my home church, Sundays, you know, Sundays at 10 o'clock or 11 o'clock in Sudan, when my home church started to meet, and I knew that they were praying for me. And that was extremely encouraging, and I felt really, in one sense, I got con uh, kind of convicted, you know, when I was in prison. Uh, you, you can uh, confirm that, you know, how many times someone asks you, uh, shares his problems with you, and you will just comfort that person by saying, I will keep you in my prayers. And how often I was saying that as well. But when I was in prison, I was so convicted by the Holy Spirit that I was just using it as a social Christian phrase. And I was not really sincerely and not faithful in prayers for those that I have said. So when I was in prison, I was saying like, when I'm released, this will be the message that I want to encourage people with, to be faithful in prayers. Of course, we serve the Lord that can do, uh, help the persecuted Christians without us. But we serve the Lord that loves to have fellowship with us. He loves to hear from us. 
and he loves us to pray for other brothers and sisters. One of the things that uh, if you listen to the radio interview with Pastor Hassan, one of his jobs before he went to prison was to train pastors to get ready for persecution. So tell me about how you trained them and then how that trained you also so that when you were arrested, you were more prepared. Uh, yeah, I spent a couple of years uh, to go to train the process in the churches and even the, the believers in the churches uh, about the persecution because we started to experience uh, persecution in Sudan since uh, 2012 when the, our government they expelled all the missionaries in Sudan and uh, they started now to demolish the churches. So God gave me this kind of ministry just to, to train the, the church, to train the pastors, train the believers, just to be ready when the persecution come. And I started uh, to, to, to do this, to, to do this and, uh, but I was not aware that I will be really uh, persecuted. But in other way, I was really ready for anything. When, when I was really arrested, I was, not, uh, it was not, I was not shocked because I know it can come. And Peter, you had gone through quite a training course to be ready for persecution as well. As the film mentioned, first in your own family and then traveling around meeting with persecuted Christians. How often as you were in prison did you think back to those experiences, to Richard Wormbrand's books, to the Christians you had met, how often did you draw on their example? It was almost on a daily basis uh, that uh, the Lord reminded me, especially when I was in solitary confinement, you know, uh, the first night in the solitary confinement, they started to blow the cold air on me the whole night. So. I remember uh, that I uh, vividly, you know, visualized, you know, what Richard Wimbrand was going through. And uh, uh, in one sense, you know, I was even kind of like maybe expecting, you know, because I read that Richard Wimbrand had the, the angels visit and when he was in solitary confinement. So in my, you know, experience, it was, here I am and uh, they blow the cold air on me the whole night. They took away my blanket. And uh, I was uh, kind of like hoping maybe the Lord will give me something like uh, supernatural. Uh, but uh, after that, uh, somehow the Holy Spirit started to work on me. And uh, I, I, I said in the prayer, I don't need actually this because I, I trusted the Lord was me there in this prison cell and he i didn't actually need it any special but in the moment i i said that you know with my mind uh, i suddenly started to realize that you know in this very cold cell when they were blowing cold air on me the whole night suddenly it was a moment like someone uh, brings a, you know a pre-warmed coat heavy coat and puts it on you from behind and this moment when i started to feel this warmth really that the lord showed me he was there uh, spontaneously the words came out of my mouth that came from thomas's mouth when he said my lord my god and uh, you know the lord allowed me to experience you know one thing that when I was suffering with anemia, heavy anemia, you know, when you, your body does not have enough oxygen, you know, you are not able to remember certain things. And I desperately wanted to sing a Christian song. So for the first time I was allowed to do it, 
And I could not, in the early days, when I was still with the Islamists, I could not even remember any songs because my mind didn't work properly. But suddenly, here in this cell, I am experiencing such a wonderful moment when the Holy Spirit reminded me the wonderful, the first two verses of the wonderful song, Thine Be the Glory. You know, I memorized this song when I was maybe 15 years old. But suddenly, I am experiencing this like when the poet has the moment of inspiration and he started to write and write and write and a few seconds a wonderful poem is written that was exactly the way how the lord allowed me to remember the first two verses of this wonderful songs and about two or three days later the other the last the third verse came as well to my mind so i have uh, thought a lot about Richard, what he experienced. I have thought a lot about what other Christians uh, have exper are experiencing in prison. In fact, you know, on the, in my solitary cell, I had on each wall different, uh, maybe continent, different Christians. Uh, uh, we together visited uh, Eritrean brothers in January 2004. Do you remember that? I remember very and well. I continue to pray for them, for Eritrean prisoners. I prayed on another wall for Chinese prisoners. So this was like my uh, daily procedure that I was doing, praying for those who are in prison uh, when I was there as well. So when you go home and pull the prayer map out of your newsletter and put it on your wall, you can remember Peter had a prayer map in his mind and he had different countries on each wall of his cell. Uh, so hopefully that will remind you and help you to pray. One of the things that happened at your trial in Khartoum, and uh, just for a little bit of context, the, the government of Sudan, after Sudan and South Sudan split, the government of Sudan had basically announced there are no more Christians in Sudan. They have all gone to South Sudan. There's no more. And then they arrested our brothers for being Christians. And at your trial, hundreds of Christians were outside the courthouse singing hymns, and really at great risk. They could have been arrested for doing this, and yet they were there singing hymns, and you could hear them. Tell us about that, and tell us what that meant to you. Yeah, it was really an amazing moment, and uh, it was the first time for our court, uh, and uh, I do remember while I was singing there, and then we were in the, in the court inside, and the doors were closed, and windows were closed. But uh, within this, we're still hearing the, the songs from outside. And it was reported by one of, uh, of the newspaper that it is really histori uh, historical uh, court. It has never happened before in Sudan. And, uh, they mentioned that even though the court was uh, closed, and, but we're still in the, in the court hearing the songs outside of the, uh, of, of the court. And uh, it was time that really, for me, the church is coming out telling the government, we Christians, we are here. But it was the first time for the churches, for the Christians to come out in big numbers and say, we as the Christians, we are here in Sudan, in North Sudan. And uh, it was really a message for the government or a message for everyone who, who saw this uh, in the court. And uh, I thank God for this. It is really uh, his purpose for us to be arrested and he, for him to witness for the Sudanese 
still the churches here in the north. I, can I share yes, some more absolutely. details? Because uh, uh, we were there together. We were actually in the little courtyard that was in the cell when we first heard it. And uh, of course, it was heard in the courtroom as well. But I can uh, testify that uh, because they uh, were singing in uh, their native uh, languages. And I can share with you, they, uh, both uh, Hassan and uh, Pastor Kua, they had tears in their eyes when they heard their brothers and sisters singing. And if you saw the video, they were mainly sisters, you know, and they were so courageous and they had to travel maybe two days uh, from Nuba Mountains, uh, from the southern part of uh, northern Sudan. Uh, and they were even had to stay an extra week there because the court deliberately canceled the first session. And they had to wait another week because they attended the second week, which was the uh, postponed first session of the court. And I was having tears in my eyes too because it was so encouraging. And only when I was released, you know, I got to know what they were singing about. They were singing the song about David and Goliath. Yeah. And did you remember when, while they were singing these songs, the, uh, the prosecutor, he fell uh, twice from the, chair, from the chair in the court. Yeah. It was really amazing. It was yeah, and we, we were actually leaving the courtroom. They uh, wanted to uh, let us go in uh, the side uh, door that they would not see it. And in fact, it, they could still see us. And I remember we were chained together. I was uh, the... Uh, Mutahama uh, Lawal, which means the accused number one, and he was Mutahama uh, Altani, the second. So we were always uh, handcuffed together. And we were waving with our handcuffed hands uh, to these courageous believers. And I think uh, later on we shared the same thing that the thoughts about the word from 2 Timothy uh, 2 uh, verses 8 through 10, I think uh, Cole uh, mentioned these verses today, that we were chained. We were chained as criminals, literally as criminals, but the word of God was not chained. Yeah. The way we wrap up almost every episode of Voice of the Martyrs Radio is by saying, how can we pray? So Hassan, I want to ask you, how can we pray for Christians in prison right now? You've been there. How would you encourage us to pray for them? The prayer is very important for the prisoners, for those who are really in hardship time. I always uh, have a problem in my stomach. And when I was in the prison, most of the people that, uh, who knows me, they said that they're thinking how I will really survive in the prison with this kind of, uh, of, the, of the sickness that I have in my, in my, my stomach. But during all this time that I spent in the prison, I didn't complain with anything in my stomach because I was really, God was really healed me. And uh, I eat anything. I used to just to eat uh, certain food, but in prison I eat anything, which was not good for my stomach, but God did protect, protect me. And so it's because of the prayers that uh, the people are praying for us in the prison. So prayer is very important. And uh, I encourage all the churches to pray for the, our brothers who are persecuted in, around all the world because it really helps them, it really give them power, give them strength, it protect them. So if you ever wonder, do my prayers really matter? They matter. Now, Peter, I want to ask you, 
about the families of those people who are in prison. Because as you both know, I, I think at times it was harder on your family than it was on you. So how do we pray for the families of prisoners? Yes. I'm sure that uh, my family probably did not go through uh, such a difficult time like Hassan's family because uh, you know, the secret police deliberately spread it out rumors that he passed away in prison, right? So you can imagine how hard it must have been for his family. I think we all agreed uh, that it was much harder for our families than for us. And you know, when uh, I was uh, desperate in the first uh, prison and I was uh, uh, praying for my family, the Lord uh, reminded me, you know, the verse that, uh, from Philippians 4, 7, that when Paul writes about the heavenly peace that is surpassing all human understanding, that it will guard your minds and hearts in Christ Jesus. And that's exactly what I would like you to encourage to pray for, that their minds, those family members, because they don't know what is going on, they have very little information, deliberately uh, pray that the Lord will really guard their minds and hearts with this, this supernatural peace that comes only from him. But also, uh, one other thing, I would encourage them to pray uh, that they also would be able and uh, praying for the persecutors. I think this is the wonderful thing that we have experienced being in prison, that we were able to pray for those who were doing this to us. Uh, this is an amazing thing. You know, when I speak in many conferences, sometimes people come to me and they express their hatred against Islam, uh, Muslim people. And uh, I remembered, uh, you know, one of the statements of Richard Woman that Jesus never was afraid of anyone or never hated anyone. And I think we as Christians, we should always encourage our, the family members of those, but also encourage us as Christians living uh, even in free countries that we should love uh, those persecutors. We should pray for them that the Lord would reveal himself uh, to them as the Lord, uh, Savior, and God. This is, this is my prayer that I pray for my, uh, you know, and I may, sometimes when I travel to countries where I know that my fellow ISIS guys were from, uh, I am even thinking maybe I may meet some, uh, sometimes them, uh, maybe they may come to one of my presentations, and I would certainly uh, tell them that uh, uh, the Lord loves them, and uh, the Lord, and I love them, and that I pray that the Lord would reveal himself to them as the Lord, a Savior, and God. Uh, and that's, that, I think, is the strongest message that we have received from the Lord Jesus. And we should do good uh, things to those who are doing bad things. We should really uh, bless those who are cursing us, and we should pray for those who are persecuting us. I would say this is uh, the message for the persecuted church, and this is the message also for our churches who are still living in freedom. Well, maybe you've also heard that command from Jesus to bless those who curse you. But when you hear it quoted from Peter Yasek, who really had to live that out, I think it takes on a bit of extra weight. Brother Hassan and Peter Yasek were both imprisoned for their faith in Sudan. They've been our guests today on Voice of the Martyrs Radio. That interview was recorded at a VOM Advance conference just a few weeks ago. The Advanced Conference is a great opportunity to go deeper on the topics that you hear about every week on Voice of the Martyrs Radio, 
and also for you to meet face-to-face with Christians who have experienced persecution firsthand. To find out when there will be an advanced conference in your area, you can visit online, vomadvance.com. Again, that website, vomadvance.com. I'm going to be speaking at several of our conferences next year. I hope when I come to your area, you'll be there. And uh, let me know that you listen to Voice of the Martyrs Radio. Also, if you go to our website, vomradio.net, you can hear our individual conversations with today's guests, Brother Hassan and Peter Yasik. Again, that website is vomradio.net. One more thing before you go. We are always trying to reach new listeners with the stories of our persecuted family. One way that you can help us do that is by giving a rating or a review of this podcast on your favorite podcast service. Those ratings affect how many people see our podcast in the listings. They also affect how likely they are to give it a try, to listen to one episode of VOM Radio. So to help motivate you to post a review and a rating, we're having a little giveaway. Between December 11 and December 19, if you'll post a rating on iTunes or Google Play Music or one of the other podcast services, then send me a screenshot of your review along with your mailing address. We're going to draw five people to receive a free copy of the Wormbrand Curriculum Kit. We had a conversation earlier this year with John Groders, who directed the video segments for the Wormbrand Curriculum, as well as Cole Richards, who appears in the curriculum. This is a six-week video-based curriculum to help your small group or Sunday school class look at and learn from the lives and the faith of Richard and Sabina Wormbrand, the founders of The Voice of the Martyrs. So post a review of VOM Radio on your favorite podcast service, then send me a screenshot of the review to radio at vom.org. Again, that address, radio at vom.org. We're going to draw five names out of those that post reviews, and I'll send them a Wormbrand curriculum kit. Radio at vom.org and include your name and your physical mailing address in the email so that if you win, I can send that curriculum kit to you. We're nearing the end of another year packed full of ministry, helping listeners understand the stories of their brothers and sisters around the world, helping you to pray more effectively for our persecuted brothers and sisters. Next week, we're going to hear highlights from some of the guests that we've had over the past year. You'll be encouraged hearing some of the most meaningful moments of 2018 right here next week on the Voice of the Martyrs Radio Network.